however, antibiotics are not. I'm having a beer. How are you? Fine. Fine. Yeah. Should we should we go into the show, do you think? Let's, should we do, let's, do it? Let's just do that. <clears throat> Welcome to North B South, the podcast that is and isn't about design. I am John Elliman and uh, on the other end of the line is Rob Turpin and this is episode 52. Blimey, it just seems like we only just recorded the last one. <laughs> yeah, they do. <clears throat> we've said this before. They do come around quite quickly, don't they? Yeah. Mind you, we've had busy weeks. That's true. So time flies, doesn't it? Yep. Uh, so how's your day been, John? Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty full on, actually. Um, I've just got back from rescuing a lost rabbit toy rabbit wow where had it got to uh i dropped it on the way home um, my mean? daughter was hurtling down a uh, a hill on a scooter and i ran after her and obviously in my excitement i left a rabbit behind <clears throat> in my excitement to get home and eat um rabbit pie <laughs> <laughs> you haven't told kitty you're eating rabbit pie have you yeah i told her that's where her rabbit went um john what you didn't. I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's the country. She's got to get used to it. Yeah, good point. Uh, we've got a visitor in the house. We've got a dog, Bertie, the whippet. Yeah, he's a handsome so, little fellow, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he's a he's a grey whippet. He's rescue, and he's very nervous, but he's uh, he's lovely. He reminds me of Bingo. Yeah, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's uh, it's nice um, having another dog in the house. And whose dog is it? Is this Dave? It's not Dave the plasterer, is it? <laughs> it's not Nick the plasterer. It's Dave the no. cardboard. Dave the cardboard man. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, country. Again. You find all sorts of weird and wonderful people in the out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah, yeah no, he he has um he's a uh, cardboard engineer, so he yes. uh, he has a flatbed in his shed and makes prototypes. For yeah. printers and stuff. And, and how long is Bertie staying with you? Till Sunday. Hmm. Yeah. Is uh, is Bingo? Is uh, Ralph cool with it? Ralph's cool, but Bertie doesn't like Ralph very much. Uh, a bit too energetic. Yeah, I think exactly yeah. that. So, uh, but busy, very busy week. Uh, I've worked, but haven't stopped all week. And uh, I did a presentation today. I was, I was saying to you earlier, it was quite cool. Um, I used Keynote. To, do, mm. to build presentations and often I have to export them into um, PowerPoint and present or, you know, or send them on or whatever. But this one I did, uh, I couldn't see my client for some reason. I normally like to see them face to face. So uh, over the phone and used Keynote Live, which I'd never used before. Wow. So, so how does that work? Do they kind of log in to see what you're no, doing? No, they don't have to log in at all. They, they literally either generate uh, a link that you can then post it off to them or mm-hmm. it will appear in their iCloud account um, yeah but I just did it as a link and then it just runs in the browser because Apple right. have made all of their apps run in the browser which is strange but quite handy it was a little bit janky in the in the fact that I'd animated uh, a lot of the slides but yeah. it got you know it did the presentation got the sale and uh and, and onwards and upwards good work yeah it was it's really good i really recommend it if people are working remotely keynote live i'm sure i bet your powerpoint's probably got something very similar but just yes. to be able to present it you know you know as a feed directly in someone's browser even on i tested yeah, yeah. on a mobile even on a mobile it looked absolutely brilliant and That's if brilliant. you've got keynote installed it opens up keynote hmm. so yeah very cool marvelous and it uh it had the desired effect did it Yes, I sold. I sold the um, sold the logo, the one I wanted, and yeah, I'll just wait to hear back from. They've got to now go and present to the board. So, okay, as Good. it often happens, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> you never, you never or, present or to the people. Who... To the, they go present to the finance department. <laughs> That's always a good one. Yeah, well, I get paid whatever. So, Ooh. um, and what else have been doing? Uh, I hunted the gruffalo on Sunday with my Did daughter. You? Yes, a, bit, a good bit of tech. Um, the Forestry Commission have got uh, loads of woods dotted all over, obviously, <laughs> uh, but uh, public places where you can go and uh, do all sorts of things. But there's one, at, uh, Alice Holt, which is in uh, Farnham sort of way. Yeah, and um, it's a Gruffalo Trail, but you install an app on your phone and there are little markers everywhere. And when you hold your 
phone over the marker it uh it animates a, a live view and um, it augment- augments reality it does and uh it's really really good uh this tree trunk sort of bursts out in the ground and uh all the characters appear one by one as you follow the trail that's and really you, cool and you can then take photos of your kids you know with the the little creature in the the kids do tend to wander in front of the marker which they <laughs> resets it and you have to start all over again but uh, you know it was really good fun really good i really recommend it and it's, it's obviously doesn't cost anything so yeah um yeah that was really good what have you been up to what have i been up to since we talked last well there's the ongoing saga of uh, the wisdom teeth which is now uh, infected which is i'll just tell people my medical details so i'm feeling really rotten at the minute until the antibiotics do their trick um i had a wedding at the weekend well my wife had a wedding at the weekend i helped that all went smoothly looked fantastic uh and then it's just been work really um that because i haven't been feeling great i haven't managed to get much other work done uh including notes for this podcast um i've been working in shoreditch and then by the time i get home i've just been completely sort of wiped out which is really frustrating because i've got a couple of commissions to finish and i felt kind of inwardly quite creative but i haven't really had the energy to to draw much which is really frustrating Mm. um yeah but i I did find the energy to um to meet up with you yes which Uh, we're going to talk about properly uh later but we we met up for a a beer and a a pot pie and a sausage roll in a nice pub in in kensington and then we sauntered off to a talk by paula share pentagram partner presented by Adrian Shaughnessy. That was very nice. Um, so that's going to be our main point of discussion later on in the show, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, my, my wife's been away, so I've managed to listen, uh, watch some sci-fi films. Uh, oh. Sci-fi, horror, whatever you might call them. Dystopia. I'm, I'm obsessed yeah. with it at the moment. Um, uh-huh. uh, I watched Rogue uh, Thingy. I Rogue can't One. Remember. Is it Rogue One? It is Rogue One. Not Rogue Trader. <laughs> uh, Star Wars kind of reboot isn't it um i'm not that into star wars so uh excuse my um my ignorance but i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was cracking yeah had, had the girl who uh a lady in it who was in the archers <laughs> strangely yes. enough yes there's some quite you get some quite uh surprising actors in the archers don't you yeah you know it kind of come it turns out you know someone you've been watching on telly in some big show for years and it's like oh yeah they also do the archers and they've been doing that since you know 1967 <laughs> yeah they don't um, kill many many of them off do they no not in the archers no well someone's always falling off a roof aren't they <laughs> oh no, that's only one is it oh, okay nigel seemed like that went on forever poor nigel <sighs> poor nigel um, uh, what, did you watch anything else yeah i watched a few um uh i watched kill list and mm-hmm. I watched um, High Rise, which is a, uh, both by a chap called, you're going to have to remind me, Ben. Ben, ben Wheatley. Ben Wheatley. Um, yep. And uh, I, I enjoyed both of them in, in a funny kind of way. They're very strange. Um, he's, he's a strange director. It feels mm. very old, very Ken Russell, very old fashioned. Yes. And uh, yeah, I really liked High Rise, um, which is a remake of a, well, not a, sorry, is a film of the J.G. Ballard kind of dystopian um, novel of the mid 1970s, which is about a building that um, uh, kind of exemplifies class stratas in British society and how um, once it's sealed off, it breaks down and it just becomes um, a complete riot, basically. And uh, in fact, turns into Mega City One. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think Judge Dredd and that film have quite a lot in common, even though they're, you know, poles apart. Well, they even look a little similar, don't they? The the high rise yeah. buildings look a little similar to the yeah. blocks in Mega City One. Have you have you seen High Rise? No, I read the book with the intention of then watching the film. Um, mm. I read the book and haven't watched the film yet. Right. Oh, I, I enjoyed it, and then the kill list was just a bit grim. Bit, yeah, I didn't enjoy Kill List. A bit British. Um, yeah, I've just found it too too grim, really. 
Um, same with Sightseers, which is another one of Ben Wheatley's films, which right. I didn't enjoy either. I did quite enjoy uh, Field in England, which was his English Civil War kind of psychedelic film. Yeah. Uh, which was, again, you know, incredibly weird, but enjoyable. Um, yeah, and I'm quite looking forward to his new one, which is out in the minute, called uh, Free Fire. It's like a 70s heist type movie uh, all set in one all set the entire film set in one um, location and it's just a, pretty much an extended shootout I think oh, right. so, it's, like, it's like the, uh, the Tarantino I think uh, the Hitchcock film Rope isn't it it's mm. all one seamless yeah. shot um, yeah I love that film mm. um, we should maybe have a Hitchcock oh yeah, yeah. love a bit of Hitchcock yeah um, and I finished another dystopia. I finished a novel uh, uh, that I really recommend to anyone listening. Um, is called Station Eleven. I'm sure everyone's read it because it was quite a big, apparently quite a big book a couple of years ago. But you know, uh, if you listen to the show, you'll know that I'm an absolute numpty when it comes to popular <laughs> culture. Well, I haven't but, read it, and I hadn't even heard of it. Yeah, it's by Emily Sinjin Mandel, uh, Saint John. Um, I think is pronounced Sinjin in in English. Uh, And she is a Canadian writer. I think this is her second novel. And it is about uh, post-apocalyptic North America. So the sort of Canadian North American border um, and a traveling uh, sort of show that um, puts on Shakespeare plays and plays classical music as it trundles across sort of the wasteland 99.9 percent of the population has died from um this georgia flu uh which um yeah uh it's sort of 20 years on from that and it's about sort of all sorts of characters it goes back in time it crosses um uh and there are common themes between all those people i love i love books like that that really sort of uh are a bit um a bit like a sort of you know a spider's web of 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 interconnected knowledge do you know what i mean so yeah and, the, and at the heart of it is a comic and uh and a, a um uh yeah a character in the comic who's kind of like a godlike figure it's really 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 good really enjoyed it Ooh. really recommend it so it's a kind of sci-fi dystopian novel excellent sounds good yeah what are you reading at the moment uh well i was just thinking i'm not really reading any books at the minute the only book I've got outstanding is uh, The Massacre of Mankind, which is that um, sequel to War of the World. But it's a hardback, so it doesn't come with me on my commute because it's too big. Uh, I've just read a graphic novel uh, called Black Science by Rick Remender and Mattia Scalera, uh, which was recommended to me a few weeks ago when I kind of asked for recommendations for new comics to read. And it's really good. It's just a little team of scientists little bit kind of uh, space family Robinson type thing. They've uh, this family of scientists and they've they've invented this dimensional jump device and go through it, uh, and then it gets broken, so it doesn't work properly, so they can't get home. Uh, so they keep jumping to kind of weird dimensions, and uh, all things start befalling them. But it's pretty good. Uh, it's not as good. I, I've started, so I've started reading comics again in the last few weeks, uh, and still, it's um, Black Hammer that stands out as the as the best thing I've read. Um, nothing else has really come close. Although it was absolutely fantastic. Okay, I'll give that a go. Mm. Uh, and I've also got Harrow County uh, to read, which I'm looking forward to. But it's kind of gothicness, American gothic, I think. Hmm. Uh, so, what have you seen uh, in the news this week? Well, I've ordered a couple of magazines that have just slithered into the world. Um, <laughs> uh, the first one was posted by a, chat, a designer called Jeremy Marshall, uh, and uh, whom you know. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a magazine called Pressing Matters uh, with the strapline of In Celebration of Printmaking. And then there's another one that looks exactly the same, which has come out from Fontsmith, which is called Type Notes, which I, again, yeah. I ordered today. Both of them are tenor, which I think is pretty good value for a, an indie yeah. magazine. Yeah, I've ordered the, the Type Notes one as well. 
Oh, right. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to getting those and, hmm. and having a read through. Yeah, Time Notes are uh, designed by the lovely people at the Council Press. Ah. Uh, doing some non, non-letterpress work. Yeah, so I'm very excited. Apparently there's some uh, bright orange ink in there. They've promised me I'll appreciate it. So, <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for that to, to land on the doorstep. Yes. This week, uh, it's been quite a lot of Blade Runner this week. Really? In the news, with the new trailer for Blade Runner 2049 coming out, uh, which looks pretty good. Uh, not directed by Ridley Scott, but directed by Dennis Villeneuve, who did a really good job of Arrival. Um, and the trailer looks very good. A few similarities with the Ghost in the Shell visuals. You know, I guess that's because they're both sort of cyberpunky, futuristic noir in a way um lots of big holograms of people and sort of gritty neon seat uh, streets and things so it'd be quite interesting to see how they um how they compare i've got a feeling the blade run is going to be a, a much more complete film um but with that in mind uh there's a few quite a lot of conversations going on on twitter about the original blade runner and the whole thing about, you know, is Deckard a, a replicant or not? Um, and, I you know, in the the director's cut of the film, it's, you know, it's reasonably obvious that Deckard is. But there's a, a designer for film. He makes props and sets, I think. He's, I'm not entirely sure what he does, but he designed a lot of the props uh, and sets for Duncan Jones's Moon film a guy called gavin rothery uh, and he's got a he published an essay uh, quite a few years ago but he's uh, he's tweeted it again just recently about his big theory about the original blade runner uh i don't should i say what his theory is or should i let people read it um <clears throat> i don't know why is it giving away new film stuff or no not at all no is it more so in line with the novels or no, not really. The novel. His theory is that not only is Deckard a replicant, but he essentially has the memories of Gaff, who's the other Blade Runner police guy in the Blade Runner film, played by Edward James Olmos. Uh, and it's a really clever explanation of uh, Deckard doesn't drive anywhere. He doesn't fly the spinners. Gaff always drives in places. Uh, he's really, he treats Deckard uh, pretty badly. He's really dismissive of him. Uh, and then there's the famous line where he says, you've done a man's job. And it's a really clever explanation. He goes into a lot more detail than I just have. But it makes complete sense. I have so no idea if it's right or not. But What's, what's he saying? That they're the same He's saying person. that Deckard has, has been... Because the replicants are given the memories of real people. So um, Rachel gets Tyrell's niece's memories. Uh, and this theory is that Deckard got Gaff's memories from when he was a, a younger man. Okay. Which is why he's such a good cop. Maybe Gaff can no longer do the job because he's got this limp. So he's obviously been injured in the line of duty. So there's now a replicant with his experience and abilities to do the job for him, which who Gaff obviously resents. Oh. It's really clever. Mm. So, uh, yeah, if you look on gavinrothery.com, it's uh, an essay called A Matter of Electric Sheep. Well, it's a very smart bit of thinking. Um, and Ryan Gosling is the main protagonist in it. Mm. In the new one, yeah. What do we think of that? I don't mind, I don't mind, Ryan Gosling. <clears throat> I saw the uh, preview of it. I, th- I, th- I thought that some of the visuals look good. Um, I think there's been this sort of leading, this <clears throat> uh, Hollywood's been a lot of close-up shots and, you know, really fast cuts and stuff. And um, we're slowly getting back to a more sort of old-fashioned way of having tiny little dots of characters with huge sets um that aren't obviously to the eye three-dimensional 
or you know yep. renders and uh, i think that just gives great scale and and depth to the world that you know some of these sci-fi films are building so it's good Absolutely. to see that i mean there's there's definitely a lot of that in um, arrival in, in oh, right okay yeah, I like video. I mean, video games been doing that for a long time, haven't it? it was that that yeah. real, real zoomed out kind of view. Um, but films been very, very close, and I, you know, sometimes it's almost hard to watch if you're close to the front of a cinema. Yeah. Um, not that I've been to cinema in the last five years, but you know <laughs> no, what I mean. I don't, I don't get there very often. I, I think we should do some. Uh, we should do an uh, an MVS visit to the cinema when Blade Runner comes out, and also yeah, the, the other one that you were talking. What what was coming out soon that you really wanted to watch? Was it the Alien? The new Alien? Could be Alien Covenant. That'd be good. Yeah, that's got very mixed reviews. Has it? Yeah, I haven't some, seen Beyond yeah. Alien Two. Aliens. Yes. I've I think never that's seen fine. Have, have you not seen Prometheus? Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. that's a kind yeah. of. Re- yeah, I didn't enjoy that at all. That was no, lots, I'm... lots of 3D. That just. I'm not a big fan of 3D stuff. Well, uh, I think, I think uh, the new one has lots of that in it as well, mm. which worries me slightly. But uh, we'll see. Apparently, Ridley's already got two more Alien prequel sequels lined up. <laughs> He's in his eighties, isn't he? Uh, no, is he? Yeah. Well, he must be getting that way. It's astonishing work rate. Yeah. Yeah. So what else have you seen this week? Um, one thing was um, there's a uh, a book called Vignelli's Canon, um, mm-hmm. and it's available as an e-book. So if you hunt for it, you can find it pretty easily. Um, definitely recommend having a look at that uh, as a as a free free giveaway. Um, yeah, that's that's gold golden. That is, um, yeah, absolutely other golden stuff. Um, it's nice that has a podcast and it's number one in the design iTunes listing. Well, that's outrageous! Isn't it? Congratulations to them, and uh, yes. it's good to see that the boring one knocked off the uh, the top. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll be looking forward to listening to that. I started listening to one. Um, they sound professional. They have interviews. They know what they're doing. Um, Everything we we're not. No, yeah, we're the <laughs> we're the antithesis. Yeah. So uh, yeah. if you want to listen to something professional, go over and listen to that. <laughs> they, 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 they. Um, I think they're a good sort of uh, uh, what would you call it? News aggregator kind of podcast. Um, but they they do loads of other stuff, don't they? And I saw that yeah. they, were, they were at Paula Shares thing on uh, on Tuesday. Oh, were they? Yeah, yeah, I saw a photo posted by them. But they're they're always coming up with good stuff. They are. Uh, something I saw this week, and it's someone we've mentioned on the show many times, Dan Berry, uh, make it and tell everyone, uh, interviewed, kind of interviewed, Chris Riddle, or Riddell, who is the children's laureate. He's a book illustrator and author, um, really charming, affable guy, uh, brilliant, brilliant illustrator. Uh and he sits down with Danbury and draws while they chat. And it's a really lovely insight into kind of him as a person, but kind of his process a little bit and how he works and the kind of stuff he works on. And, you know, Dan is as charming as ever. Um, so it's a really lovely thing uh, to have a look at. So if you go on YouTube and just uh, search for Danbury and Chris Riddell. Uh, yeah, if you... If you, if you haven't listened to any Dan Berry um, uh, podcasts, then I, I, I really recommend them. Um, the great. only the only thing that lets him down sometimes is the sound recording because he's often at uh, you know uh, shows or conferences where he just cannot yes. get uh, a silent place, <laughs> so it's, it can be quite hard listening. But um, he's 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 just a brilliant. He's uh, got the loveliest voice. Yeah, he's just a brilliant person uh, i yeah. don't know him personally but i just think he's a he's really you know what he does he works so hard he's such a talented artist and he promotes other comic book artists without yeah. any 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 ego whatsoever and um, yeah he's a he's an all-round good chap he is um uh, I, my, my, i'm gonna put a heading in here of uh i thought it was quite good dreadful tv yeah i like that uh, Judge Dredd coming to the telly apparently. Yeah, 
So uh, I think it's Rebellion who own the rights to all 2000 AD stuff are very ambitious, aren't they? They're, they're pushing uh, to get their stuff made like um, the Marvel Universe has been um, pushing yeah. itself out in TV making, especially, you know, Netflix. Uh, and uh, bringing dread to the sc- big sc- uh, to the small screen would be absolutely amazing. I don't know how narratively that would work because <laughs> they're quite big stories, aren't they? Well, um, some are. I guess they they do it like a lot of these shows do now, in that you'd have a it, because it's effectively a police uh, show. You know, there's going to be one or two cases a week. And then, and an then there'll be an overriding arc. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, Which that's is great. I mean, there is. I mean, there's so much out there for them to draw. It's just, oh yeah, and all the different judges as well. Yeah, I hope they get the the look and feel of it right. Because while uh, I really enjoyed the Dread film that came out with Carl Urban, uh, Alex Garland, I didn't think they got the look of it right at all. But particularly Mega City One, I didn't think. No, it wasn't convincing at all. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It was, they'd, you know, the look of it was entirely based on their budget. Um, So hopefully they can uh, avoid that and give us something that looks more like the comics. Um, But very excited. I was so excited by that news that I I did a little sketch of Mega City One today. Oh, really? While I was on my lunch hour. What have you you put that on? It's on Instagram. Oh, I am. I don't. Socialize well, much. You should have your notification turned on, John. So every time I do a drawing, you you get a notification. And you can be uh, excited and enthralled. <laughs> Thanks for that. I think that's how it's supposed to work. Block. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well let's go on with our main topic, which is let's. the fact that we met up for a beer in a lovely pub, the Queen Queen's, Queen's Head, Arms. Queen's, Queen's Arms, Arms. Uh, which is tucked behind the Royal School of Music. Is it? Um, mm which is sort of off Exhibition Road, a couple of streets behind that. Uh, really nice pub, actually. Serving Timothy Taylor's, which I'm drinking now. Which yeah, are more was, of later, more of yep. their branding later. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, we wandered up to the Royal Geographic Society. Um, didn't see Paddington Bear there, which was a bit disappointing. Mm. And there weren't any um, marmalade sandwiches jammed in their communication system. I had a marmalade sandwich for tea. Oh, I love marmalade sandwiches. Yeah. I have to give you a jar of mine. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, and uh, and then watched uh, a talk by Paula Cher. A um, d- couple of things about the organisation of it. It was fantastic by Unit Unit Events, who are part of the Unit Editions, who make lovely books, which is Adrian Shaughnessy and Tony Bank. Tony, Tony Brook. Brook, my um, ignorance continues and <laughs> uh but um yeah one the first thing the bar right okay you've got you've got mm. you've got three i don't know how many people were there 300 people yeah two or three hundred people yeah um right they've only got two people serving and they're serving john smith's in a can and what was it budweiser or something heineken heineken come on people where it's were a the design events? Where were the, trend, the where were the trendy craft ales? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But also, you know, the queue was so long it was actually back into the theatre at half time. So you know, yeah. the, you know, keep keep designers well oiled. That's what I say. Absolutely. Uh, especially this designer. I was going to say, <laughs> say if if uh, if it had been easier to get to the bar, I might have um, bought the book. Oh dear! Might have been yeah. might have been cheaper. <laughs> doing around um yeah so yeah the book was for sale and she was doing signings afterwards which i didn't stay around for because the hardback is 85 quid um and i'm not that much of a fan to uh spend 85 quid i lo- I looked at the paperback it's still 65 quid which is a lot of notes for a paperback <laughs> it is, isn't it yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it did look beautiful yeah um, yeah yeah i'm not i'm not criticizing it it's just that's a lot of money it is um anyway so she gave a talk uh about her kind of her career and then she was interviewed by adrian shaughnessy um and then she did a signing afterwards but i legged it before that because i had to get home um luckily we did we hadn't made any notes because we weren't actually going to talk about the uh what she what she spoke about but um we ran out of so much time that we're going to uh talk about uh the bits and bobs next week so we have no notes on it but luckily a creative review have just posted 
a kind of <laughs> synopsis of the uh, of her talk. Um, and it was essentially built around 10 life lessons. So what what did you think, Rob, just to put you on the spot, as I like to do? Uh, uh, well, it's quite funny because one of the the talks that I've enjoyed most that I've been to see is Milton Glaser um, of Pushpin Studios in New York, famously designed the I Heart New York logo. And I went to see a talk of his a, a number of years ago. And his talk, and I think he still does this talk, is 10 Things I Have Learned. And so they're not dissimilar in structure, which I thought was quite... Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just maybe that's the kind of the easy thing to do when you're when you're giving a talk about about your career is to just break it down into ten sort of bite sized little things. Because she she kind of rattled through these ten ten things, didn't she? Yeah, she didn't hang about. Yeah, which was good. I quite liked it. It was like you know short chapters in a book. Um, I think that the overriding thing that I felt about her was just. You know, this is a designer who's been at the top of her game for a number of years. You know, a couple of decades, she's kind of been right at the, the pinnacle of design. And she's just incredibly charming and down to earth, um, not sort of highfalutin or snobbish about design or the industry at all. Uh, and it was really refreshing. Um, I don't know if that's an I don't know if that's an American thing, maybe. Maybe there's a the kind of British scene is a is a bit more snobbish. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess her background is um, kind of alternative, um, uh, sort of left wing liberalism yeah. in the yeah. United States, which in the sixties was actually quite uh, anti stuff wasn't it it was quite mm. um vehement and um so she um you know the anti-vietnam war and anti-corruption and nixon and all that kind of stuff uh gave them quite a strong voice um, yeah absolutely and i think um she sort of stands uh with legs across two worlds one you know the digital world and the analog world and she's still firmly planted in the analog world and i think that brings a lot of uh, weight to her to the to the work she produces because she yeah. hasn't got drawn down the you know chasing technology down a, a never an ever extending tunnel she's well, she made a point of saying she doesn't she doesn't work on websites didn't she? no well she but that gives her that kind of grounding doesn't it that the fact that she's never chasing something that is a move movable feast she's yeah. she's working in a world that you know she's 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 worked in so many different aspects of design, but she's working in a world that she's entirely comfortable with. Um, and that just gives her an incredible confidence. And I think that's what she probably brings to her team is just the calmness and the stillness about her and the, the confidence, yeah. um, but also great, great humor and sort of, yeah, like you say, she's not self-regarding. She's not arrogant. She's just really wise. Um, and uh, yeah, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And my, my, my version of, of what I saw it is I, I didn't I don't know anything about graphic design history. So um I'd seen her years ago in a in the Helvetica film, sort of as the anti uh or the you know the other side of the fence of people um praising the typeface Helvetica. She says that it represents fascism um in the form of faceless corporations. Which yes. is the kind of thing you can imagine somebody chanting in nineteen sixty nine in Paris <laughs> or you know yeah. New York or wherever, but um, she. Um, so that's the only time I'd ever seen her, and I saw her working at Pentagram. And, and funnily enough, I watched the abstract film, which is on Netflix, about her. Which is a half an hour documentary about her working life, which is great, uh, and I thoroughly recommend it. And she's still working in the same offices because obviously yeah. the, the film's exactly the same. And she works in such an arcane way; it's uh, it's really refreshing to see. Um, you know, um, what I mean by that is that she sits downstairs at a desk with a laptop. She barely uses it. And she's just constantly running up and down the stairs, going to see her designers who are working for her. And the art directing with a pen tapped against screens, yes, which would drive absolutely. me absolutely mental. And she just scribbles on bits of paper. So it's a very uh, artistic approach to design, isn't it? It is. Um 
but it obviously works really well for her and her team so why change it yeah no it's that's it's always this time isn't it that plane wonder where it's going yeah I don't know I can't actually see it but uh, yeah and a blackbird in the background as well beautiful so shall I whiz through what she touched on the uh, the, the key points of the talk yeah why not uh, so she says the first one is uh, fall in love with something that was designed and she mentioned three design pieces from um the mid 60s which were all Beatles records and I think that's great she's obviously had time to think about this and I'm sure she's uh, distilled it over the years but it yeah. was such a brilliant illustration of of how work changes and how taste changes so she goes from Revolver uh, to Sergeant Pepper's you know which is just visual you know volume on 11 mm. and then the White Album which uh, if you don't know it's just a sort of um, an embossed white album with the Beatles, what <laughs> the Beatles on it, um, you know, just absolute minimalism, um, and uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic to see that. So I think that's really important to fall in love with something something that was designed. Um, I think she makes design seem easy is one of the things that I took away from it. Uh, not that she's not working incredibly hard, but she does say, you know, it's not like being a movie star. <laughs> I guess the basics of it are, aren't they? But, you know, one of my old creative directors said, it's just words and pictures. Mm. And, you know, it is. So there's nothing, you know, in the, the basics of design, you know, there's nothing more to it than than that. Obviously, the intricacies of it are um, another matter. Yeah. Um, her second one was have heroes and mentors, which we mentioned before, haven't we? Mm. Um, that she's married to a hero of hers, um, and uh, I think that's in, been incredibly influential. And, and actually, in the abstract film, she talks about um, that they never ever discuss, they never talk about each other's work, do they? Yeah, they don't, and they they've don't never it. collaborated. Well, he seems such a cantankerous old sod. He was old Seymour Quast. Quast, is that how you say his surname? Yeah. Quast. Um, but she was, uh, she says in the interview that she was um, 21 when she met him and he was 39, 40. So there's mm. uh, a few years between them. Uh, the other thing she said, uh, the next one she says is push back against something. So, um, you know, kick against the pricks. Her one, she says, well, in this interview, it says in the creative review summing up of it, she says Helvetica. I don't remember her saying that, but uh, she obviously did. I must have nodded off at that time. Um, <laughs> and uh, then you've got to defy the career staircase. Um, so... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that works actually as a title. She drew. She drew a. Um, she shows a, a graph, doesn't she? It's uh, very good. The graph. Yeah, I've it's got... brilliant. She's she's got a better drawing of it, um, which is incre- Is one of her hand drawn kind of map style uh, graphics, which yes. is if you can see it as um, if you go onto the creative review. Um, it's basically creativereview.co.uk forward slash. And I'm going to say Polish uh, ten life lessons field. Is the yeah. uh, URL, but you'll find if you go on the site, there's a photograph of her there with uh, Sean C, and uh, above it is the illustration. But basically, it says that you know in your twenties you know nothing, um, and you've got long, long high steps to reach up, and then the steps get shallower and longer the higher you go up. And by the time you meet, you, you meet, you get into your fifties. That's your golden decade when you're um, your profession, you know, your experience, your power. As, she says, yes, power. Um, yeah, it's great. It was a, that was a really good part of the talk. Yeah, um, it's funny as well. Yeah, and she says go the distance. So work with people and keep working with them. Um, I think that's great advice. Um, uh, something that I took away that I need to work on a lot more is uh, is foster relationships and actually work on those relationships. If you know that you've got a relationship with a client who will allow you to a little bit of wriggle room to do creative work then you really need to um push push on them and she revisits brands so she'll come yeah. back every sort of 10 5 10 years on a brand and go back to the person and say you know what it's got tired and we need to work on it um that takes us to the thing that she mentioned and i don't think it's it's here is a 
I don't, is it in the yeah it's further down in the list isn't it um maybe we should wait to that but it's the work for free thing um, yes which we'll cu- come on to later um, yeah sticking with that go the distance thing just momentarily she talked about the work she's done for the public theater in new york and she said she's this is a 24th year of working with them uh and i thought it was really interesting where she did work that was so uh, distinctive typographically for them that uh, design in New York kind of as a whole kind of copied that style of, of kind of crazy, really busy type and purely typographic posters and things. And she rebelled against that still with her work for the public theatre. And she said in doing that, she let the theatre down and produced work that wasn't as good because she'd, she'd kind of been forced away from the essence of, of what that, work should be by the fact that other people were copying her work Uh, and it wasn't until she realised that and kind of got back to uh, this kind of pure typographic style that that the work became good again so it's quite interesting to know that you know even someone like uh, Paula Cher can kind of make that mistake and recognise it yeah like she says you've got to take any kind of uh uh, journalistic look at her or documentary making is a film in the end of the day and it's been mm. edited and she's allowed to edit things that haven't, you know, you never see things that have gone wrong or argue, you know, yes. arguments she's had with clients or, you know, difficult clients. But, um, but this is a, you know, it is kind of a looking at her career. So I, I, I'm, I can see why they're not going to talk about things like that. Um, so the next one is be a neophyte. Now that just sounds rude to me. <laughs> make discoveries push yourself on change the way you work um and uh she sort of ended up on this i thought it was so impressive these huge uh the rockaway which is a long beach stretch in uh, i guess in yeah. new jersey somewhere yeah. um there's these interlocking concrete blocks that obviously protect the uh land from uh, from the sea um and she's turned them into pixels so they almost interlock like lego and from the from the sky, there are all, all the messages of the uh, uh, all the way along the beach, which I just think is fan. It just looks beautiful, doesn't it? It really yeah, does. Yeah, she's done she's done uh, an awful lot of the kind of super graphic stuff, hasn't she? With uh, you know, really big typing. Yeah, I didn't realise she she was famous for doing stuff like that because it's so different to her, her earlier work and so different yeah. to the work that I'd seen bits of. Um, yeah, I, I guess uh, a. A thread of that is that it's it's just taking typography and illustrating with it, which is what she said she learned from her mentor, the uh, the illustrator when she was at college. Uh, what's his name? Stanislav Zagorski, a teacher from the Tyler School of Art in Philadelphia, uh, said illustrate with type, and I guess that's what she's doing. Whether it's super graphics or these giant type on the on the promenade at rockaway beach it's illustrating with type um her next one is find a personal personal expression and i guess this is her talking about being an artist and i love the maps that she's produced which are giant hand-painted maps based on different different data groups um they, you can see Sagmeister's work in her work, and I've never seen that before. I've never, I, I thought, you know, his was kind of original, but it's not at all, is it? Um, it really is fantastically organic, um, and yeah, really, really loved them. I'd never seen them before, so it was a real surprise for me to see her as an artist. But she sees her, you can tell that she sees herself primarily as an artist, um, mm. and the fact that she's doing graphic design is just a different express, a different way to express that artistic yeah, endeavor. Um, and actually, we were talking about that last week, um, is of finding um, ways to output, you know, your your creativity. Um, if that's done, if that's done in design, then that's done in design, and you should be happy with it. But she seems to say, well, actually, you know what, designing identity projects is pretty boring um, after a while, and you need to find uh, areas to to output in different ways, whether that's yeah. writing or painting or music or whatever. Plus, um, I guess when you get to her level, you know, she's not doing as much 
hands-on designing, is she? You know, she's art directing and and guiding other designers to actually do the work. So that the the maps are, are an opportunity for her to to produce something herself. Yeah, well, she says in the in the film that I just watched um, that you know she had you know after nineteen eighty nine when everything went pretty much digital. She she wasn't working with glue and paper and you know she likes to work with physical objects. Mm. Um, her next her next one is um, is an interesting one. It's the one where I really disagree with her, but I think you know she has a, an opinion. But if she's speaking for the voice of other designers, I'm not sure this is a good a good bit of advice. But it's work for free. Um, she says it's going to sound a bit controversial, but it's it's so controversial that it's generated quite a lot of talk um but i think it's hers is from a perspective of a little bit of an ivory tower in the fact that you know she's one of the most famous designers in the world she's also an artist and she's worked in so many different fields of of um of design that it's incredibly difficult for a young designer to uh to achieve that um yeah she's basically working for free on jobs that she wants to work on that's yes uh like that's privilege isn't it it is. And it kind of goes anti what she believes in, in, you know, kind of like liberal left wing approach to life. Um, but I, I can't, I, you know, I'll go on to what I was talking about. You know, when she, I saw her in the Helvetica film lambasting the typeface for representing fascism, and then she re- designs the Citibank logo. Um, yes. And I love that. I love the fact that she appears human um, and she's uh, conflicted and, you know, um, I, I like that human side of her of her work that she she's not embarrassed to be um, you know con, uh, not con, contradictory I guess. What do, you, what do you think? Or do you think it's uh, do you think it's she I should th- stick think, to her guns or? Well, I think what you say is is right. You know, she is. It shows that she's human and not a, a kind of a machine just churning out design. I also think it's strange that you know she says work for free. But she'd already talked about the way that she works. You know, she has a team of people working for her. So she's saying work for free, but they're all getting paid still, aren't they? So it's a, it's a kind of a weird thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe half of it because, she, you know, she says, oh, you know, you make your work back in all of the... Uh the tertiary stuff that, you know, the, the posters and the, yeah, so and she's the adverts kind of, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, she's kind of saying, you know, we'll do a, a, a refresh of a, a brand for free and then they come to you for all the all the other work. Um, which, you know, maybe that's maybe that's the case. I mean, I guess it's it's very different if you're Paula Cher than it is if you're someone else. I think, the, yeah, the problem is that, yeah, if you are just a... Uh, a Joe Bloggs designer and you do uh, a free logo for somebody, there's absolutely no guarantee that they're going to just take that logo and go to another agency and get them to do all of the advertising and everything. Yeah. And then you, you're absolutely screwed. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and that may, makes me incredibly cynical, but I think what she's saying in that is that you need to take risks um, in your career. And one of them it will be stepping you know, off that cliff and saying, I really, really, really want to do this work. Yes. Um, and what will I give up to do this work? And if that mm. is money, then, that, you know, that's that's the way forward for you. But yeah, I think as general advice to do, to young designers, I don't think that's a good, that's a good bit of advice. If you no, them. and they're just, they're just not in the position to be able to do it, are they? <laughs> no. And like uh, you say, if they do do it, they're not necessarily going to reap the rewards that she talks about. Yeah. Number nine is uh, hang around with smart people. Well, that's, um, you know, that's us done for, isn't it, really? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, there's that thing, isn't it? You should always, if you hire people, you should always hire people who are better than you are. Yeah, I always went wrong there. Uh, (laughs) Hang on, you hired me. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) And the last one was uh, do what you do best, but change with the times. Um, These all sound like real... Uh, they don't sound as clever as you know how how she did it when she was talking uh, on Tuesday yeah, but night. I often think a lot of these things aren't that clever. They're quite obvious, but yes, you know, we talked about this kind of thing before, haven't we? It's, you just you need reminding of things as a designer. You know, if you've been doing it for ten, fifteen, twenty years, sometimes the very simple kind of sound bites like these do just make you think. Ah, oh, 
yeah, actually, I've been too busy to think about that. Yeah. You know, I should really make an effort to do that. Uh, the My favourite soundbite of hers, she's great at soundbites, isn't she? She's, yeah, she you is. Know, she's incredibly good at talking. She, if you get a chance to see her talking you didn't see her on Tuesday, then I really recommend, uh, you know, seeking her out or going to watch some speeches. I'm sure she's done TED Talks or whatever. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. But um, she says, yeah, the the change with the times is that she's done, you know, she really has changed stylistically. You can really see her work is it doesn't reflect her as a person. And I think she's quite she's quite keen for that to which will come on to the one of the last things I wanted to talk about. But she's quite keen for that to be that the work lives as the work. It's not. Oh, that's Paula Cher. Yeah, Um, I yeah, I think that that's that really reflects, you know, I think she learned that doing record covers you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of record covers in the 1970s they were all yep. different all different terms of uh of creative freedom and you know political problems and all that kind of budget she really learned how to uh how to work under a client or you know with a client and how to manipulate them and uh for that i really took away a lot a uh, lot more than i thought i would do so yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was the end of speech, and there, uh, that was the end of her talk. And then there were a, uh, a lot of interview um, questions that weren't that great, were they? They were kind of Shaughnessy's were good, but the crowd ones, I just thought were <sighs> people wanted to talk more than she did. Yeah. Well, there was one girl particularly. <laughs> the last she, one. Said, she said, "I've got a couple of questions to ask you." I've made some notes, <laughs> and then proceeded to read out an essay. <laughs> I'd lost the will to live before Paula Cher spoke again. <laughs> yeah. But um, from the film, I think the, the the tips that I will take away to, um, to sort of fold into my own work is, um, uh, is her, her other theory is the wave of acceptance during presentations. Did you, yes. do you remember that from the abstract? Yes, thing? absolutely. So she, so she said there's, there's a level of expectation, which is maybe a third of the way up your page. And imagine a wave going up and when you present, it goes all the way to the top. And uh, that's, you know, you that's as high as it will ever go when you've come out with the idea. And then it drops off as people start to question that. Um, and then as you build a response, it will come up again. And then it hits a certain level, which is below the original one. And that's, you know, that's the point, the highest point you'll ever get to. And she says that that's when you need to end the meeting, when you've, uh, when you solve the problems that the first person has, you know, uh, perked up in the meeting and said, you know, well, what about it in red or whatever? And yeah. she says that what happens is after that point, you just get diminishing waves that get lower and lower and at it's no point will your so work true. reach its goal. And it's such a fantastic visual picture of the creative process. It really yeah. is brilliant. Um, so I, I really, really love that. Um, and the other one was um, that, after all of that, what the client, the reason that that happens is that all the client is looking for is the proof that what they're doing will work. Um, yeah. And she says, there is no proof that it will work. <laughs> I just love that. I just love that. Um, so, yeah, the diminishing wave of acceptance, I'm going to call that. Yes. Um, it's yeah. very, very good. And really great. And I'm going to finish on her last quote that she says in the film, which is, uh, what can I make next? And that's her in a nutshell. Yeah. She's making stuff. That should be all of us all the time, shouldn't it? Yeah, it should be really. I really enjoyed these talks. The I went to a Nicer Tuesdays one a few weeks ago. And before that, I saw Michael Beirut, actually, another Pentagram partner, give a talk. Uh, and it, similar to Paula Cher, you know, what comes across is his that experience and charm and charisma that comes with you know, having attained a, a real professional level and maintained it for a number of years just gives you this, this easy confidence to talk about your work and yourself and your life. Uh, and it's very hard not to come out of those talks with a bit of a spring in your step because they are inspiring. You know, these people who are brilliant at what they do. Um, yeah. So it's, like you say, you know, everyone should try and get to some talks and seminars and see some of these. You know, she says, have mentors and heroes. Well, you know, if you've got a hero, try and get out there and 
listen to them talk, ask them a question. I should have asked about cheese. Does she know. like cheese? Then? I don't know. That was going to be my question. Oh, um, it would have been better than that American girl's question. Yeah, I think so. Um, the well, the one thing we skipped over was feminism, um, and uh, I, you know, she she is she was uncomfortable being labelled as being the most famous female designer in the world. Um, she sees the work and says that the client should see the work, uh, and I think that's something that we could talk about in the future yeah um that why should design personalities override the work they do um and uh yeah i don't think she's one of the best female designers in the world i think she's one of the best designers in the world i don't Uh, that was she took umbrage at the at the the sentence didn't she she said yeah if i'm the best female designer in the world and how many men are better than me yeah is it 12 is it five (laughs) Yeah. Yes, amazing person. I was really, I was really blown away by her. So, um, yeah. yeah, she was great. Uh, what is your? Have you got a website of the week? I haven't got a website of the week. Well, while researching that, I'm my one is called lectureinprogress.com, and it looks to be like an early version of basically uh, lots of little sound bites of famous um, interviews with uh, designers, um, creative people, um, and you can register at the moment they're going to charge for it in the future which i'm not quite sure i see the business yeah. sense of that um but it's a nice looking site and it's just lots and lots of records of and snippets of interviews with um yeah highfalutin creative folk and created by the founders of it's nice that oh is it yeah oh i, do, I only just found this on uh, on tinternet yeah i'd seen a bit of it uh about on twitter I didn't really know what what it was. Um, yeah, yeah, so that's something to keep an eye on. I'm not. Yeah, not sure how they're going to monetize that. It's going to be monetized in or monetized. That's such a dreadful word, isn't it? It's going to be charged. Uh, they say later in the year. So if you sign up now and you get approved, you get access to all the archives for now. And there's no indication of what the charge is going to be. I'm, I'm hoping that they're looking for funding in terms of sponsorship and that it will remain free. Yeah, um, be because I think any kind of educational um, sort of resource should just be open to people to use. No, it should that be good? Yeah. Um, so yeah, good luck to them. Absolutely. What have you got to eat? Uh, I have got uh, a higgity pie. Uh, the, the pie. The pies with no top. Yeah, well, this one's got a top. This is a proper a proper pie with a proper lid. Uh, short crust. And then uh, kind of flaky pastry on top. And it's chicken, bacon, and mushroom. Oh, my. You right there? <laughs> uh, oh, it smells. It smells delicious. I love chicken and bacon. That kind of smoky uh, smell from the bacon I love. Uh, very, very hot. Mm, that's very nice. Uh, so it's... Really quite moist. We talked about chicken pies being a bit soupy sometimes. This is a little bit like that. But the smoked bacon's absolutely fab. Mm. Uh, very flaky pastry on top. Yeah, that's a good pie. Are we going to give it? Uh, 7.1. <laughs> um, I've got a rabbit and bacon pie from Soul Butchers in Alsford which you've mm. been to that old chap mm. that was in there. Um, so it's a, it's like a football shaped pie. It's got a funny sort of boomerang shape on the top, which I guess they use to recognize what the hell the type of pie is. It's a nicely glazed on top puff pastry. I'm going in. Is the boomerang like a, a stylized pair of rabbit seeds. Yeah, they could be, couldn't they? Mm. I like rabbit. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> Um, well, to me, I mean, it tastes like chicken to me. I wonder whether I have actually got a chicken pie, but no, no, it's rabbit. It's, mm, yeah, it's delicious. It's, um, it's not soupy at all. Kind of creamy sauce inside. Paste is really crispy. Bacon's lovely and smoky. And rabbit is awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's got a slightly gamey, gamier taste. Than chicken. Mm. It tastes like old fashioned chicken. It does a bit, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. So well, yeah, I'm going to give that. What are you giving that? I'm going to give that an eight out of ten, Rob. 
Blimey. Yeah, and I'm washing it down with the Timothy Taylor Landlord. Ah, my father's favourite beer. They have changed their label, Rob. Did you see mm. the photo? I put? Horrible. Absolutely I horrible. I think it looks like Fritz Quadrata to me, that typeface. Yeah. Um, it was just uh, some plain old... Uh, I think it's a uh, universe, actually, it looks like. Might even be uh, the the old one. But, um, you know, sort of an old um, uh, sort of cherubic landlord with a frothing uh, pint of ale and a big red um, uh, waistcoat on. And now it's some kind of bloke in a rugby thing pulling a pint of beer that's way too high. He, he must be tiny if that's if he's pulling the pint <laughs> and he's only head height. He must be my yeah. height. Yeah. But it's horrible. Really horrible. What have they done yeah. there? Strange one. Hmm. Anyway. So on that bombshell, what have you, are you drinking beer? Yeah, I've got that uh, uh, for uh, Flatiron, American Red. Uh, a can of from the Four Pure Brewing Company, which is very nice. You know, we were talking about IPAs and, uh, you know, craft beer, and, and they all taste the same. I went to Waitrose and they had a load of um, cat. They've got loads of tins in there now. So I just, uh, you know, individual ones. So I just grabbed like three or four and I did a taste test last week um, yeah. when my mate Alex was over. And um, and the one I really, really liked, the the best one was um, not an independent. <laughs> it was a Fuller's, was Fuller's one. Well, was, you know, they know what they're doing, don't it they? It was They've really, it really good. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. It's in a blue can, but if you see it, try yeah, it. I, I do kind of think that a lot of these independent craft breweries are just making, they're all making the same beer. It is. It's just, well, it's just too hoppy. Mm. Mm, that's good pie. Yeah, good. Right, my friend. Good to talk to you. Yeah, sorry, you too. Uh, sorry I came uh, inadequately prepared this evening. Thank you for uh, taking up the slack. Well done for braving um, the recording process. Mm. It's okay. Uh, have a good weekend. <laughs> yeah, you too. I hope you feel. Have you got birthday. weddings this weekend? We do. Near right. Milton Keynes. Oh, well, I hope I hope the drugs kick in for you, mate. Yes, I'm sure they will. All right. All right. Cheers, John. Yeah. Take it easy. Ta-da. Ta-da. Ta-da.